Welcome to After All, a cross-generational podcast dedicated to discovering and rediscovering the social, political, and personal impact of The Mary Tyler Moore Show. I'm your host, Ariel Fisher. And I'm Sylvia McCon. And welcome to the show, guys. This week, we are discussing episode 10, Assistant Wanted, Female. Uh, this is quite the episode. Mm-hmm. I'm a little floored. It's a it's a Phyllis-heavy episode, the first one that we've seen thus far. It took ten episodes, but we're there. Um, and Mary reluctantly hires Phyllis to be her assistant in the newsroom. This is also the first time we are seeing uh, Gord ha- Gordy Howard, played by John Amos, as the uh, the weatherman who is the, I guess, the token black guy on the show. Yeah. But, so the first time we're seeing him, and the first time we're seeing more of Phyllis. And boy, are we seeing more of Phyllis. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, I was not prepared. But uh, another episode written by Treva Silverman. And in this episode, Mary is swamped by work. She is desperately trying to keep up, but can't. She's behind, she's more behind than ever before. And so Lou tells her to hire an assistant and she tells Phyllis about it. And Phyllis says, well, hire me. I can do it. And she says, mm-hmm. okay, sure. Doesn't really think twice about it. And Phyllis has been working for her husband, who's the dermatologist. And she was, you know, working as a secretary and got fired from that job for, for overstepping her, uh, uh, the, the, the role that she was hired for. Yes. As a secretary. She thinks, she thinks she's bigger than she is she's, in a way she's much too big for her britches yes indeed and she started diagnosing patients treating patients um but her role was as an assist- as as a secretary we assume in the office yeah that's what that we're effect. led to believe yeah but um yeah so so mary hires her and phyllis just will not do her job like finds a reason to go around it and she you know mary okay so i need you to take this pile of paperwork and file the blue ones and the pink ones and just make stacks of each of them she says and then what well that's it and she's so phyllis has phyllis is highly educated as we are told (coughs) she is not only a perfect wife and mother but she has a master's degree and Mary uh, dropped out of college after two years, and now Mary is her boss, Mm -hmm. and Phyllis resents uh, being Mary's assistant. So she wants to be called a co-worker. Not an assistant. Not an assistant, and Mary agrees, and it kind of goes from bad to worse, and she finds that doing these menial jobs that she was very willing to do on paper Mm -hmm. are really not up to speed so she goes and does all sorts of other things but not the work that she was hired to do no she starts working directly with ted baxter and kind of getting into his head and encouraging him to ask for more things and well you deserve this so you deserve more money you deserve your your role to be rewritten 
And she's just, she's incredibly manipulative. Incredibly manipulative. And, like, I've liked Phyllis to this point Mm -hmm. because, I mean, and Cloris Leachman does an amazing job with her. But, boy, oh, boy, am I rethinking my affection for this character. Because she is just, she is terrible. Like, so terrible. Well, I think she likes to put everybody else down. To make herself uh, feel better. To make herself feel better because... She is a wife and mother, and while in those days being a wife and mother was the ultimate aspiration, she is highly educated, and yes, she is highly intelligent, but wants to, she wants to go directly to the top mm-hmm. and not be this menial worker in her own eyes. Yeah, and we see, and immediately at the start of, well, at the start of this episode, we have Rhoda trying to diet, and oh, I'll just have a 70-calorie egg. And some dry toast with some butter. And some Do dough. I smell jam? Uh. <laughs> like, oh my God, Rhoda is me. <laughs> it is me. Every single time I ever try to be like, I'm going to lose weight. Nope, not going to happen. I like food too much. It's just not a thing. But as soon as we get Phyllis thrown into the mix and she's talking about, you know, well, I am this perfect wife and the ultimate mother. I don't remember her exact term, uh, phrasing, but... And she says, but it's just not enough for me. That's I, right. I, I'm so I glad more. to be back at work and to be working. And I immediately think of The Feminine Mystique by mm-hmm. Betty Friedan. And Phyllis is really that uh, perfect example of just who Friedan was writing her book for. The, the housewife who, you know, may have gone to university or college and gotten a degree, but co- college was really just kind of a, a, a throw. A, a vehicle to get married. Exactly. To find a husband and, you know, really fulfill your role in society as a woman and get married and procreate. Mm-hmm. But, and, and at first it seems vaguely empowering. And then the more that we see Phyllis in this role the more we start to kind of wonder and and Mary even does say at one point she says something to the effect of you know how Phyllis always seems so confident but it really is uh, about her insecurity yes yeah and how and oh my god it totally is and in in a way I almost feel bad for her because there's in, in the sole effect of especially in what Betty Friedan writes about that you have these women who are wives and mothers and that's all they do and they cease to um you know phyllis clearly wants for more she wants to do more and be more and that's perfectly reasonable yes but she is so relegated to these roles and these duties that she that she kind of Well, even as Mary says to her when when Phyllis says, "Please hire me, hire me," mm-hmm. and Mary's like, "No, you're 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 too much for this job. This yeah. job is too small a job for you. You're you're not small enough for this. You're not small enough for this job." I think that's the, those are the words she yeah. used, and she's right because Phyllis has aspirations way beyond mm-hmm. a menial job of assistant to do filing. Yeah, but you accept a job as is. Uh, and she didn't accept, you know, from from get go, <coughs> she's an hour late for work. Yeah, she sits there reading the paper. She just is completely useless at kind of hunkering down and getting down to business. Mm-hmm. She just she just won't do it because it's somehow beneath her. Mm-hmm. And but and, you know, in the way that I kind of say I feel bad for her, 
because her insecurities are so when you when you realize that what it is 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 insecurity they're so on display and she is so desperately trying to be more and is capable of more but you know gave up on the workforce to be a mother and 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 has kind of fallen out of touch that way she's just she's everybody that that betty friedan wrote her book for and and it's kind and it's sad to see because she's clearly a very capable person but in this abject insecurity of being a wife and mother and very little else and you know she has her hobbies and she tries to do things but for the most part that is what phyllis is and Mm. that's what she portrays herself as being most proud of she just her ugly side comes out. Oh, completely. She becomes she this becomes malicious, this, horrible yeah. person. Very manipulative and very... She <clears throat> will look down on everybody else and she can play the cards. She mm-hmm. she uses Ted to, um, to, to, to forward her ambitions. You know, he needs, according to her, he needs more money. He needs a new writer. He needs this, that, and the other. Because he's just a puppet and she can use him. Yeah. And it's not even to get something for her so much as it's almost to get the recognition of having inspired the idea. Yeah. And that strikes me as also very much the role and duty of a wife, which is something that she's very used to. That's true. To promote and uh, support a male figure Mm -hmm. and encourage them like the way that she tells him well you just go right in there and you be strong and you be forceful and you'll get what you deserve is very much the way you would expect you know a housewife to speak to her husband when he comes home from work and oh honey didn't get that promotion again hello can i see a minute no i'm busy oh what'd he say well what'd he say he's busy he's busy well use your strength go on try it again all right Lou, you and I are going to have a little talk. What do you want? I want her here. Ted, I'm too busy to play games. Well, all right. I'll just talk to the general manager. All right, Ted. Let's talk. Uh, Phyllis, I think you and I have uh, some filing to do. Remember when we had that little discussion yesterday? Well, that figure is still in my mind, and this time you're not going to talk me out of it. What's more, not only do I want that raise we discussed, but I also want some new writers on the show. Now, Phyllis here tells me this Norman Mailer fellow's pretty good. (laughs) And if he's not available, how about this Truman Capote? (laughs) E. Oh, yes, that's right. Truman E. Capote. (laughs) Look, Ted. Now, Lou, you look. Either I get what I want, or I don't go on tonight. Mary, would you get me the file on available anchor men and their phone numbers? They may need somebody tonight. Yes, sir. He's bluffing. You're bluffing, Lou. (laughs) Trying to pull the old blufferino, eh? (laughs) Well, it won't work. Here you are, Mr. Grant. I think you're all up to date, so uh, almost any one of them should be available. You're trying to bluff me, too, eh, Mayor? Well, I'm telling you it won't work, Lou. I want that raise, and I want it fast. Let's try him first. Yes, sir. <laughs> Who are you going to dial, Mayor? The weather report? 
Fluff, 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 fluff. <laughs> Hello, this is Mr. Lou Grant's office at W. <laughs> I think I have some filing to do. God forbid she try and do that for Mary. Yeah. But but Ted Baxter, you're a successful TV personality. Right. You're this strong male figure-ish. Um, Even though he's a buffoon. He's a total buffoon. That's besides the point. But that that seems to be that the only mode she seems to be comfortable with is... Master manipulator? Master manipulator, but also bolsterer of and supporter of, 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 of men. Men in power yeah. and men in control. Yeah. Which seems like, which is such a an odd, well, not odd, but it's it's an interesting decision for the time. It's kind of the role that women were um, exactly. uh, socialized to, to play. Yeah. Wife, mother, and supporter. Yes. Yeah. But you would, but I, you don't generally see, like, unless I'm wrong. I mean, I don't have that much exposure to sitcoms at the time around this time or even something like i love lucy which was earlier or the dick van dyke show mm-hmm. um but the the role of the wife in these situations was you know as slight foil to their husbands right but it was also as as wife to their husbands it was as supporter of their husbands and that was their job that was their role you didn't get to see the ugly side of that no if i'm not mistaken yeah i can see that i'm, I'm trying to think of other episodes let's say of the mary tyler marshall where mary herself was the supporter of her husband mm-hmm. there was certainly one episode and you I mean the dick van dyke show the, the, the dick van dyke show mm-hmm. there was an episode where mary wanted to go back to work where her character name is laura petrie yeah in the dick van dyke show where she wanted to go back to work because she was bored at home. Right. And she was a dancer before uh, uh, before she got, got married. married and had a child. And she went back. There was, uh, there was, and I can't remember the specifics, but I believe there was some role for a dancer on some TV show, possibly in the same studio or something to that effect. Mm-hmm. And she went to the ends of the earth to do her wifely job of housemaid, cook, you know, bottle washer, mm-hmm. mother to her child, send the kid off to school, and go and do her job. Mm-hmm. And then she would come home and she'd be exhausted and she'd pick herself up by the bootstraps and do all the housework. And at the end of that episode, she um, admitted and acknowledged that this was killing her, that this was so much work. And she went back to being the wife and mother and it was ah i remember watching that even then thinking no 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 no. this isn't how it works no the solution is to is to hire people to help you do the housework to get so that you do what you you send your kid to daycare exactly and and get the kid was in school already anyway but but just the whole idea that poor little wife you can't be working and be a wife no you and have to just choose one, and obviously one. you'll choose taking care of your home because, because it's a much more important job. Yes, it is the nobler profession, which is kind of interesting because at the very end, yeah. when Phyllis has done so many bad things that Mr. Grant says to Mary, "You have to fire her," and she fires her, and and Phyllis gets extremely defensive, and her way of getting defensive is to say, "Well, you're firing me because." 
you're just jealous because I'm married and you're not. Yeah. And so she reverts back to using her marital status as being the end all and be all of feminine uh, uh, worth. Yeah, and value. It's me. Oh. Hi. 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 Uh, good luck. Good luck? What for? Oh, nothing. Nothing. Uh, listen, uh, Phyllis, I, I have some uh, coffee in the kitchen. Would you no. like some? No, no, no. I had a cup downstairs. You're fired. <laughs> I, I, I didn't say that. Phyllis, it, it just slipped out. I mean, I, I just... I, 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 Phyllis, sit down. Sit, uh, Phyllis, I am so sorry I said that, but it... Well, at least I said it, you know? At least now it's out. And the important thing to remember here, Phyllis, is that not everybody is right for every job. I knew it. I kept telling myself, Phyllis, I said, dress dowdy. <laughs> what, what? Dress dowdy. Sure, I said, Mary's a, a pleasant-looking single girl, even a, a, a nice-looking single girl. But you know how touchy career gals get when you're married and they're not. Uh, Phyllis, what is your being uh, married and my being not have to, 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 to do with it? Nothing, nothing. No, just, we'll just say you fired me because I'm not right for the job. Okay? Want to say that? Uh, Phyllis! No, no. Come on, we'll say that. I'll tell Lars, he'll get such a howl out of it. <laughs> Don't worry, Mary. It doesn't matter. Really, really. Lars and I have fantastic plans for tonight. You know how married people are. Oh, where are you going? Oh, we're staying home. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, and, and that moment happens and both of us just kind of like, and, I, Oh, that's ugly. Oh yeah. And I uh, like audibly was just like, what the hell? Mm-hmm. Are you kidding me? Like it's so, and it's so malicious. You can see, and it's, it's a testament to, to Cloris Leachman's abilities as a performer. Yes. Because you can see it. The fangs. You can see the fangs come out. You can see her eyes roll over to, to kill. Yeah. And it's just, okay, well, you can say that you're firing me because I'm just not suitable for the position. But we both know it's because I'm a, I'm a hugely successful wife and mother. And she just, it's, she sinks her teeth in and, you know, yep. f- and, and leaves on a note of just utter just disdain, disdain and, and villainy and just kind of says, you know, well, it's, that's perfectly fine. I'll go up and, and what's his, her husband's name? Lars? Lars. Lars and I have a... Have we never a, see Lars. We never see Lars, which is also kind of refreshing. Right. Because um, despite Phyllis not really being her own person, she's still allowed to be the only real person in her own life. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, she, we have a wonderful night planned and Mary goes, oh, where are you, where are you guys going? Nowhere. We're, We're staying, staying home. home. That's the and only oblique reference to sex. Exactly. Yeah. And that she has someone to have to at have home. Sex with. To have sex with at home. Because she, she's married. Because she's married. Yes. That I have what you don't have. Yeah. A constant, steady sexual partner who is also my partner in life. And screw you. And it's interesting that Mary says, it says very openly and very kind of scratching her head, what does my marital status have to do with me firing you? Mm-hmm. Like, or like she she sees the disconnect between Phyllis's uh, um, incompetent work life mm-hmm. and uh, and Mary's marital status. How is that even a thing? It, and it's not. And, and it's that's... not a thing. But in Phyllis's eyes, that's what she hooks on into because that's the only thing she has to hook into. Yes. And and again, you see that stem from her insecurity. And and she does come back. And while you know. 
before they roll the credits, the last kind of end scene of the episode is Phyllis in Mary's apartment. Mary's watering her plants and Phyllis is kind of following her around and, and begging and pleading for some, for, for forgiveness and kind of trying to really sublimate and, and really kind of, there's no excuse for it. That was totally uncalled for. I was horrible to you and Mm. that wasn't okay. And it's, and it's, if they had left it on the other note, it would have seemed almost, uh, more complicit in how vile her behavior was. Mm. Like this, we like her again. It, yes, like the, exactly. Yeah. But we, but we also kind of understand her. We're seeing this, and it's it's a testament to um, Treva Silverman's writing again that we see this portrayal of the ugly side of an unfulfilled married woman. Yes, yeah. and this idea of kind of toxic domesticity at the time, right? That we have, you know, and it's all very covert. Like, these are just, you know, short moments at the very beginning of the episode and the very end of the episode. The crux of the episode is made to be very light and very funny. Nothing is is dealt with very heavily. But these small moments happen. And it's, it's, it's a female writer trying to covertly inject... Um, really serious issues about this toxic domesticity of the time into an otherwise innocuous script. And, 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 you know, Lou tries to make it about, well, you never hire friends, but that is not what this episode is about. Like on the surface, maybe it is. The other thing that I, that I think is kind of in the middle of the episode is, is at one point when Mary mans up, I'm sorry, for saying that because <laughs> that's a terrible thing when to she say. woman's up when she woman's up and says <coughs> i have a long fuse but that doesn't mean that i have that that it never runs out runs out and yes you were hired as my assistant not as my co-worker and i expected you to do this work and you're not doing it and it's not your job to go and fix ted baxter's uh career and so on and so forth so she really stands up she and, does which too. makes me very happy to see and then phyllis just really kind of undermines her in yep. in kind of a very adept way. Oh yeah, you ha- you look at this and you go, but 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 Mary just told you that she's the boss, and then you turn around and you completely ignore her, and, and nothing's about, changed, and nothing's changed, and you go about your business, and you kind of want to shake Mary a little bit and saying, no, you can't let her get away with this. Yeah, it's it's almost like you'd now, and it's not in keeping with Mary's character at this point, and yeah. everything that she does is perfectly fitting with the internal logic of the show. We yeah. still very much see Mary react in the way that she is prone to reacting. Yeah. Nothing, but like nothing's changed with that. So there is always at this point in Mary's career and in Mary's character development. She is not strong enough to fire someone on the spot. No. She is not strong enough to be Lou. And no. it and it is kind of nice though. We still see Lou, you know, Lou never steps on Mary's toes. No. And that's really nice to see. No, I think they have great respect for each other. It's yes. a, it's, it's a lovely relationship and I think in later episodes it it develops more in a good way. Mm-hmm. Um I, I, He's a complex character himself, although mm-hmm. at this point he's just the gruff boss. Yeah, and, and we still don't see a ton of him. No, but that I think that will change over time. Mm-hmm. Um, he can be very... Uh, he's funny with Ted because 
Ted is so stupid that he doesn't see Lou as making fun of him or, or yeah. kind of seeing Ted for his stupidity. Which, but with yeah. Mary, it's quite, quite different. It is. And kind of his relationship with Ted is really interesting because you have this kind of prototypical male uh, looking down at and undermining the authority of the textbook portrait of what men are supposed to be you know the old guard that is you know debonair and dashing they're good looking Mm -hmm. they've got charisma to spare um but he's an idiot and lou calls him on his idiocy all the time and is is definitely kind of domineering and undermining that notion of masculinity yeah which is really nice to see and again the way that lou has this great respect for mary he you know he half seriously fires Phyllis right at the beginning, who, again, manipulates her way into the job again. That's right. But, you know, he never... He offers Mary fatherly advice, is I think how he puts it. He wants her... He wants to shape her into the person who is going to have the confidence to be able to make those tough decisions for herself. I think he he would like... If I can... can see Lou's sort of long-term goal is to make Mary him. Yes. Yeah, completely. Yeah. And and he sees that potential in her, which yeah. is so nice because yeah. he sees that potential in In a her. woman, in a young yes. woman. Yes, a young woman who has for- no experience in the industry. I keep forgetting, she's only 30. Yeah. Yeah, she is. She's she's my age. She's in diapers. Yes. <laughs> it's terrifying. <laughs> the diapers that Phyllis would change and clean, you know. That's it. But... But then, you know, so again, in in keeping with the internal logic of the show, Mary isn't at the place where she would fire her on the spot, though she really should. And even when she finally does fire Phyllis, again, in keeping with Mary's character at this point, she is profoundly apologetic for it. And you can see her wanting to take it back. Oh, yeah. And not wanting to do it. And it pains her. I'm sorry for firing you. Yeah. She blurts it out. Yeah. She just, it just comes out because Phyllis literally pushes every button to the point where it's... Phyllis is insufferable. She's completely insufferable. And she is that way in most episodes, but we hadn't really seen it in abundance until now mm-hmm. because the whole episode really revolves around her. It, yeah, exactly. And it's and it's nice to get to see... And I, I mean, that happens, right? With any series, with any show, as you as as the episodes go on, you progressively get episodes specific to that character obviously this is the mary tyler moore show so for the most part we're seeing mary tyler moore right. we're seeing mary richards but, but the other characters develop over time they do and i think yeah. especially as the seasons go on we will get more development more uh deeper you know, development phyllis, i think yeah more yeah. rhoda episodes like yeah, we had with sure. her mother more yeah. phyllis episodes like this one yeah. more lou episodes more ted episodes like we're going to start to see these I'm people as remember. multifaceted characters true i'm trying to remember how many spinoffs there have been? Well, there was there, Phyllis had one and Rhoda had one. Yeah, uh, Lou, Lou had, had one. one too. He did. It was after the show ended, though, if I'm right. not mistaken. Right. I think it was whereas Phyllis and Rhoda each got a spinoff while the Mary Tyler Moore show was still on the air. They wrote okay. them off the show and onto their own show, okay. kind of simultaneously. Okay. But at this point, you know, we're we're seeing more of. What we've seen of Phyllis has been that kind of nosy, meddling, slightly manipulative, passive a aggressive, passive aggressive, very passive aggressive housewife. 
she's yeah. been that character again i every time i've seen her i've i just think of the feminine mystique i yeah. think that you know you know she, she i think she even references the book at one point if Does I'm she? Not, maybe or i'm putting that Are in there i'm not up? sure i might be making that up <laughs> <laughs> but i you know it it's just really interesting to get an episode that's all about her because she's such a she's a very complex character portrayed in a relatively frivolous manner yes like that's like this episode again is is so much about you know don't hire your friends and that's kind of Mm -hmm. what it it market markets itself as but it's really not about that at all it's about many other things yeah triva silverman has worked in this really intricate complex character study of what society has done to women at this point where if you're a professional woman you're constantly resenting married women if you're a married woman you're never satisfied and never the twain shall meet Mm -hmm. and that's really progressive for the time to be able to see something like this yeah yeah and to see her insecurities, the fact that Mary acknowledges that a lot of this is coming from an, an insecure from a, from place. A, from a good place. Yeah. It doesn't even really, they don't really dive into it any more than that. Mary kind of, it's a throwaway line where she just says what she's doing is coming from a place of, of, of insecurity. insecurity. That's right. And even just the way we see Phyllis react to being fired and then react to her reaction, it's still very, not really dealt with, like it's kind of touched on that it's about insecurity but it's not really dealt with in any significant way no but as a woman watching this show that's what this is all about i yeah yeah. you can you can totally see the insecurity in the fact that she comes back first of all that she gets hugely defensive Mm because defensiveness to me is insecurity Mm -hmm. she gets hugely defensive in how she handles being fired Mm -hmm. and gets nasty and yeah. then the next day comes back and apologizes for how she overreacted and how she reacted so negatively to the whole thing instead of taking it like like an adult and mm-hmm. saying, okay, I'm sorry, I did a bad job, you know? It, it absolutely blows me away. Mm-hmm. Like it's, and I, I wonder how many people's heads this went over at the time. Like I'd imagine most women would have watched this episode and been kind of blown away by it. And I wonder, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I wish I could put myself back there and, and see how it all went. Because I, I don't know that there were that many people who were in that situation that where they would have said or acknowledged that kind of behavior. behavior. I, I, I'm in nineteen seventy. How many people did I know? How many women did I know that worked or didn't work, who were married and worked? Yeah. If it wasn't because they absolutely had to in order to put food on the table. As like a single mother or something. Right. Or because you needed two incomes. Yeah. Whatever. Well, I mean, at this time in 1970, you know, when you would have watched this show, you Mm -hmm. were how old? Fifteen. Okay, so yeah, so you wouldn't have known too many... You probably wouldn't have been aware of that dynamic. No. I mean, I'm trying to think of... So I was Like you didn't know any married people that weren't adults that you probably didn't have any further insight into their lives. Other than my parents' friends. Yeah. My mother worked out of necessity. When we came... She didn't work when we lived in Argentina. When we came to Canada, 
we had no money. Mm-hmm. And I want to say that my father sent her out to work because that's essentially what he did. Mm-hmm. So, and to her credit, she went out to work. And she worked a very menial job because my mother didn't have much of an education to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was what we needed at the time. And I think as a kid, I didn't know any different. It was like, okay, so mom has to go out to work and that's okay and that's what we do. Yeah. I didn't, I don't remember judging it in any negative or positive way. It just was what it was. It was a thing. It was a thing. It just made more work for me because I had to babysit and do the grocery shopping and do the laundry. <laughs> so, so I was the hired help for no money. <laughs> Well, that's, um, <laughs> that's why you have kids, isn't it? So you don't have to do the dishes or right. buy a dishwasher. Exactly. Um, and I'm trying to remember if any of my parents' friends, that if the wives and mothers worked, and I think some did. This was a whole immigrant community. Mm-hmm. So I think some of those women worked, again, out of, out necessity. of necessity. Well, it's yeah. expensive to immigrate. It is, and you're starting from scratch. Yeah. Did you ever feel that kind of pressure to... To stay home with babies? Yeah. No. Even no. At, like as a kid watching like shows like this or seeing just the way adults interacted, did you ever think that that was... Did that ever it, it, it leave an impression on you as to what you could do? No. The idea of being a housewife never held a lot of appeal for me. That doesn't surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> I I think I always wanted to have a career. Yeah. And but I also wanted to have children. So I want and and that the whole concept of having it all and being uh being able to have a successful career and a marriage and motherhood mm-hmm. and being able to have it all simultaneously was just coming into being around the time when I was becoming an adult. Mm -hmm. So it seemed like I grew up with that concept at that time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're also myopic and so egocentric that we, that we see the world developing along with us. At least we boomers do. Maybe you guys don't, I don't know. But, (laughs) but the, the idea that, that at the time when I wanted a career, going to school to have a career was not thought of as weird for a girl it was it was it was okay it was yeah okay it it was it was fine and then at the time when I was having children the idea of sending your children to a babysitter or to daycare so that you could continue with your career was okay too Mm -hmm. it wasn't thought of as weird no it was I would say probably at the time when you and your brother were born I want to guess at least 50% of, of, the, of mothers went back to work. Mm-hmm. There was mat leave. There was official mat leave already, in, yeah. at, at least in Canada. So I kind of grew up with the idea of being able to do all of this. Did it make me feel less guilty for being a working mother? No. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's always a thing. That you feel guilty for not being there. Uh, yeah. Why is that? Because you do, because it takes a lot, because a working life, you're working all day, you're working while your kids are hitting milestones and developing and doing things, Mm -hmm. and yet at the same time, being home with children full time is, it can be a little 
mind-numbing. It can be boring. It can be unsatisfying. So I think the trick is to be able to have that elusive work-life balance where you work, you work enough and stay home enough so that you can do both. Part-time work, job sharing. It's a perfect thing if you can afford it. Well, exactly. And in what It's a it- money thing. <clears throat> and especially now compared to I think when you were starting out in the workforce oh, trying yeah. to survive on part-time work is just not it, it, yeah it that's just not a reality no I did it for a short time after your brother was born yeah yeah I, I well I remember you telling me about right. that yeah. I, I don't remember that because I wasn't even a zygote there and it's interesting because that dynamic too you know this 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 phyllis guilt of well you're not a wife or a mother and mm-hmm. i am therefore i am a superior woman mm-hmm. it still kind of exists i think in a way like we're 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 i think so we're seeing this strange shift though where as opposed to like women are expected to they're expected to work now yes um but they're also expected to be mothers and they're expected to take care of the house. And they're, they're expected to literally do everything while trying to have a career. And there's this new strange thing where men who are taking on, who are embracing 50% of the, of the parenting mm-hmm. and who are embracing 50% of the housework are being lauded as heroes. Because, oh, right. wow, that's so amazing that, you have a, that, you, that your husband is willing to look after the kids. No, no, no. They're his kids, too? They're his kids, too. Yeah. Like, it's a, it's a strange shift in things that we still have this kind yeah. of archaic mentality that men don't do those things. So if your partner, well, if your husband is willing to do them, they then, deserve a cookie and right. a gold star. Because good for them. because it's your job. Well, exactly. Yeah. And it's somehow weak if you need the help. Mm-hmm. But, but good for the husband for helping. Yeah. Right? It's yeah. it's such a perverse mentality. It's a it's it's a yeah, it's not a it's it's still a double standard mm-hmm. no matter how we think of it and I know the stats continue to show that women put in more hours into uh home work mm-hmm. than men. Even those men who do their con- I want to say fair share even though in order to be fair it should be 50-50. Yeah. And it seldom is. Yeah. But it's so... Yeah. And it's still it's still so a problem. Well, it sucks that your childbearing years are concurrent with your career advancement years. Or even your career beginning years. Like yeah. at my age, at, at, at 29, yeah. you already had one child. Yes. And you were working on your career. Yes. And you owned a home. Yes. And you owned a car. Yes. And like you had all of these things. I and had the accoutrements of adulthood. <clears throat> yeah, you had you had all the merit badges. <laughs> you'd acquired, you know, you you you'd taken care of your fort building and you're not tying and then you decide you know, you got your badges for motherhood and home ownership. Right. But and that, for me, like this is a totally different but your generation Time. is launching way later. Way later. Way later. For for many Ye- valid reasons. Yeah. They're well, not like, I'm not one who says in my day, we did this at this and this age because I totally see that your generation is dealing with more complex issues, with more choices, with way more expense in everything, mm-hmm. no, never mind Home ownership. Yeah. But just in everything. Well, yeah. Higher cost of living, lower earning Wages potential. Wages have not kept up. No, not at all. And that's in Canada. Yeah. And in Canada, they've kept up 
reasonably well. Reasonably well. They're yeah. still not great. But but, not in but they've kept up not in comparison to the states. No. And I think too the um, the job market is so strange and so precarious and when I graduated I had a job the next day I had a job waiting for me yeah um now granted it was in healthcare so it's a it's a it's a more stable environment yeah but I think with the advent of uh social media and the internet and the democratization of media Mm -hmm. people in your line of work have a much more difficult time than they might have 30 years ago oh, where yeah. if you graduated you had a job yeah you had and a even, job in print well yeah and pr- it, it was a more straightforward application process for yes. a job and it you know getting a staff job wasn't the you know wasn't the rare unicorn that it is today no it was still hard to get and it was competitive but it wasn't the hard, it wasn't the it unicorn wasn't what it, it is, is today no it is rare now yeah i know two people uh one personally who have staff jobs at major publications and that was after like six years give or take of barely scraping by doing freelance work and you know it so it and there there lies another issue is that depending on what you want to do with your life and especially with me it's you know if you want to write and and I don't and I'm you know I'm starting to get into doing more kind of personal essay type work and I have no idea who's going to pay me for that but no. if I want to do it I have to fit it in after work after or before work or yeah. on my or on my breaks I have to fit it in in the in between and hope that somebody might pay me for it while working some other job and thinking about the prospect of children and do I or don't I and will yeah. I or won't I and if I won't why and and all of these questions are things that I know a lot of people deal with, a lot of other colleagues of mine who have published articles about why they will not have children, either mm-hmm. because of, you know, depression and anxiety and mental illness that runs genetically in their family or just a lack of sustainable income and not wanting to be that self-sacrificial yep. or that, uh, de- you know, deprive the, that much of their children and, you know, this is all, it's, it's such an unusually different climate, and yet these issues are still so pervasive amongst and in between women. Yeah. And, and very much even with, um, like, issues with, you know, breastfeeding and, and how you care for your children, you know. Yeah. Oh, you're using plastic, a plastic bottle to feed your child. You're not going to breastfeed your child. You're not going to, oh, my God, you're not... Your child's two years old and you're not still breastfeeding them? Yeah. Like, you get the, like, the kid has teeth. Like, take away the nipple and give it a fucking carrot. It's just, I don't, it's unbelievable the amount yeah. of, of shit women dump on each other. On each other. Specifically yeah. around, around the... Around child rearing. Child, It's a big yes. deal. And again, is that because we, we see that as our value. Like, we are a good mother... If we do these things, mm-hmm. if we are virtuous, if we feed organic, if we la, 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 all these different things. Yeah. So we need to do all of that and have a fabulous career that pays a ton of money. Mm-hmm. And we have to be able to look 
amazing because that's part of yeah. our persona as a woman. Yeah. You must maintain a svelte physique at all times. You yes. must be the perfect weight, yeah. have the perfect hair, yeah. the perfect skin, amazing makeup, great fashion choices, while being a perfect mother yeah. and working a full-time job and being a perfectly supportive wife. And I didn't, I don't remember getting a DeLorean and a flux capacitor, but somehow it's 1963. Yep. Yeah. Like, I don't, I just, it's... It's amazing. And and even with, and like, this is another thing that kind of jumps into mind. You know, I say, well, I'm at a certain age and I'm starting to think about kids. I'm, I may not be able to have kids depending on what age I finally decide I'm financially stable enough Mm. or no longer appropriately selfish enough to be able to share myself with a child. Like you Mm. have to be, there, there is a certain level of self-sacrifice, obviously. Of selflessness. Have, of yeah. selflessness, yes. I think that's a more appropriate yes. word. Yes. Self-sacrifice sounds very, <clears throat> it's like I'm going to sacri- sacrifice myself in order to have children. And yeah. It's like that. No. But but there is a level of selflessness that you have to be willing to live with mm-hmm. for the rest of your life yeah. in order to have children. And I'm I'm still too selfish. And I'm proud to be as selfish as I am. Like and I'm not... okay. And not, yeah. in a, not in a pejorative kind of four-letter no. word way. No, not at all. But Bob and I are both still... We're not ready. No, we're, we're much too and, selfish. And we may never be ready. Yes. And that's fine. And you don't have to... You don't have to declare yourselves at this point. No. Although a lot of the world does expect you to, I think, to some extent. We're lucky that the people in our lives don't really... Don't push you. No. No. You never have. No. I don't think Dad knows how to. No. Um, <laughs> You know, his parents are not really preoccupied with that. And they have grandkids from Jackie, which, again, is kind of like that's definitely something that she has always wanted. It definitely takes the pressure off. I will use her as our scapegoat. That's right. But Jackie has always wanted kids. And and that's been. Yes. And she was and she's been able to have. And that's and that's going swimmingly. But even just, you know. On the this issue of what women kind of hold against one another and look down on each other for and judge each other for, infertility is a big issue with that. And I may, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm finalizing testing right now to find out if I actually have polycystic ovarian syndrome. And what that could mean is that I am far less fertile than most women. Mm-hmm. So not only do I have to consider this ticking time bomb of my general fertility at all Mm -hmm. but then you get these added burdens and the fact that women generally look down on well not all women that's kind of that's a generalization that's a very broad generalization but that there is along with whether or not you breastfeed your kids and whether or not you keep organic or use bpa there's a whole long list of um vice versus virtue uh, that women judge each other on. Oh yeah, it's huge. Uh-huh. I don't think guys do that. I no. think I think it's more how big's your dick. A little bit. Yeah. How big's your car? How big's your dick? How much do you make? How much do you get some? Yeah. And that's kind of that's kind of it. They're yeah. pretty simple. They're very simple. Yeah. And it's so not fucking fair. No, it's not. Like at all. No. And again, you no. get that with this with this show with the fact that we don't even see Lars. No. He doesn't factor into his wife's life in any Ex- other way. Other than to provide financially for her a very nice lifestyle. Yes. A very nice lifestyle. A very nice lifestyle. Where she can go to the hairdresser and poof in order to be a good example for those poor 
patients that he sees who are not poor at all because he's a dermatologist. Exactly. They are paying good money for that. And this was even before Botox. He must be really, really rich now. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> it's... <sighs> I know, it's crazy. The other thing with, with you know, the, the difference that way is that men don't have to make a, a, a choice between career and parenthood. No, that's never, never been an issue. That has never been an issue and probably will never be an issue for men. No. But women from the 1960s on, I would say, ha had to make that decision. Yeah. When, Prior to that, they didn't have to make that decision because... It was made for them. It, it was kind of made for them. You will be a mother, and if I need you to go and be a housemaid, you're going to do that too. Yeah. And, it, and I always I think back to... Um, like the original the women oh, yeah. uh and the the character who is a writer who's kind of tertiary in, in the original version is you know she's considered the spinster because right. she's because she's a career woman right she's never been married she doesn't have right. kids there's you know subtext as to whether or not she's gay but for the most part it's just well you're old and frumpy you you're not you don't have a man. Is this the Sylvia character or the other no, one? No, this is the other one who in the remake is played by, by Jada, Jada Pinkett, Pinkett. Right. who is just a a single playboy lesbian career woman That's writer right. who yeah. I adore. Like she's, she's amazing. She's amazing and she's super successful. Super successful. Except but, she picks really stupid girlfriends. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> <laughs> can't win them all. Yeah. But in the original, she's the career woman is a spinster. And that's, you know, in the 1940s. Right. And that was the portrayal. Like, women just didn't hold down jobs. Nope. And they almost became cautionary tales. That if you want a career, that's fine. But, but think you of the babies you... Think of the man you won't have. Think yeah. of the babies you won't have. Think well, of the home you won't have. But you will. Yeah. Or I, the home you won't have the privilege to build and maintain. <laughs> and it's like... Ugh. And scrub floors. Oh, my God. It's so just archaic. And it's still very much an issue. Mm -hmm. And that's... It's better. It's better than it was. Mm -hmm. And it will... I, hopefully it will continue to get better. Hopefully. But biology, unfortunately, gets in the way of the choices that we make. Oh, yeah. And it's... And, and all of this is coming from an episode that's basically just based around don't hire your friends. Yeah. So thank you, Treva Silverman, <laughs> for being the phenomenal writer, putting in all this beautiful, subtle, just covert subtext yeah. into an otherwise simple 28-minute episode. Quite, quite different from some of the other episodes so far yeah. in terms of some of those other episodes were very simple. And yeah. they were just a sitcom. Yeah. And there's not much more that you can read and into not, it or take a, out yeah, of it. Yeah. Not a lot of subtext. No. It just, it's very superficial. Yeah. And then you get these. And you get this. And which it's is awesome. just. It's fabulous. Unbelievable. So join us next week when we talk about episode 11, 1040 or flight. Uh, Mary's income tax returns are, audi are aud audited. Audited. <laughs> Mary's yeah, income tax returns are audited by an amorous IRS agent. Oh, God. Of course. So uh, join us next week for that. The episode written by, is it Treva? No, David Davis and Lorenzo Music. 
So we will see you next week. Thanks again to Modern Superior for providing us with a wonderful home. Uh, to Casey, Dan, and Greg for doing that for us. And also uh, check out all the, all the other episodes, of all the other shows on the Modern Superior Network. Some really wonderful shows, including, of course, my other show, A Frame Apart. And you can find us on the various social medias, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, etc. at uh, After All Podcast. I almost said a frame of podcast. That is incorrect. Um, at After All Podcast. You can also email us at afterallpodcast at gmail.com. Let us know uh, what you think of the show. Anything you'd like us to talk about that we haven't yet. Uh, issues in certain episodes that you'd like us to touch on. Or, uh, you know, your own personal experiences with these particular feelings of, you know, being pigeonholed as a woman, not being mm. able to, uh, you know, do it all and, and what that means for you. And, uh, of course, you can listen to the show on SoundCloud, SoundCloud, Google Play Music, Stitcher, the Pocket Cast app, and, of course, iTunes. So subscribe to the show on iTunes, write us a little review, uh, and share us with your friends and family there. The more people interact with us on iTunes, the more visible we become, and the more people can find the show. So thank you guys for tuning in, and we'll see you next week.